Hello and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thanks for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend or family member. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. A quick reminder before we get started, starting April 1st, I will launch a Patreon subscription program. Patreon members will get some added perks like discounts on podcast merchandise, a Discord discussion group, bonus episodes, and the ability to submit questions to future interview guests. More to come on this, but for now, I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome into episode 30. The Stroh Show on opening day is just a week away, and the Cubs will have a lot of roster decisions to make. Let's pick up where we left off last week and dig in on some of the questions yet to be answered before the season starts. But first, I highlight the end of the World Baseball Classic. I mean, seriously, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout? and discuss some injury updates and what they might mean as we head into April. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. So this is episode number 30. It's kind of crazy. When I started this last summer, I didn't know how far I was going to get. I didn't know if I'd do 5 or 10, have no audience and quit, or if I'd still be doing this, you know, heading into the next season. So I want to thank you guys for sticking with me, listening. We're slowly growing the audience here. It's been It's been a fun ride. And I'm looking forward to even more. So in honor of the 30th episode, we got to look back and see who the notable Cubs are who wore number 30. And the ones that stand out to me are Ken Holtzman, who wore it from 1965 to 1971, Steve Stone from 74 to 76, Matt Clement from 2002 to 2004, Ted Lilly from 2007 to 2010, and Alec Mills from 2019 to, through last year. It's funny, you know, 30 ties in very closely with my Cub fandom because I grew up listening to Harry Carey and Steve Stone back in the 80s. So I'm going to call this the Steve Stone episode, but it's, uh, I miss having Stoney around. Um, A lot of great memories there. I was too young to remember Ken Holtzman. Um, I've read a lot of stories. Matt Clement was a favorite of mine back in the, you know, that 2003 team, that pitching staff was outstanding. Carey Wood at the top. Mark Pryor probably should have, really should have won the Cy Young that year. Matt Clement, Carlos Zambrano, I mean, that pitching staff was loaded. Ted Lilly was a lot of fun. I mean, he could just throw inning after inning after inning after inning, and he was a big part of the 2007-2008 teams that were so good. He was eventually traded in the 2010 season. Then Alec Mills, you know, he, he was a depth starter for most of his career, sometimes out of the pen, but he did throw that no-hitter. So, I mean, he definitely had a big accomplishment of his own. But let's get back to this year. So, Last week, we talked a little bit about the World Baseball Classic. We talked through some of the roster moves. And there's some updates in those spaces that I want to talk about today. As we're now, I'm recording this on Thursday. We're exactly a week away from opening day. So a week from today, I'm going to be sitting in Wrigley Field. Hopefully the sun will be shining and it won't be too cold. Um, Hopefully there's at at least get the game in. But there's a lot that has to happen between now and then. So a lot of roster moves are going to happen. There were a bunch that happened today that we'll talk about. But first, I want to talk about the World Baseball Classic. So we talked about it last week, and the World Baseball Classic was so much fun. Um, I think back to the interview a few weeks ago with Infield Fly Girl, and 
the way she talked about international baseball, that's exactly what we saw. The international crowds were electric. The side down in Miami when you had Venezuela and Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, all those teams playing against each other. I mean, those crowds were so loud, so into it, so much noise, so much fun. And then we just got some great games. I mean, we saw Mexico beat Puerto Rico after Puerto Rico beat Venezuela to make it to the quarterfinals. You know, USA took care of business against Cuba. That wasn't such a close game. But then we had a classic between Mexico and Japan. And and then just that epic finish, USA versus Japan, such a great game. The U.S. got up early, and then Japan took the lead. And then you get to the bottom of the ninth, and I'll be honest, the only thing I wanted to see in that last game, I wanted to see good baseball, but I wanted to see Shohei Otani pitch to Mike Trout. And we get to the bottom of the ninth, two outs, one run game, and it's Shohei against Trout. Um, it was it was electric. It was so much fun. And just like you would probably script it out, you know, 3-2 count, Shohei's throwing 100 miles an hour, Mike Trout showing his typical good eye. But in the end, um, Otani blew 200 mile an hour fastballs past him. One of them just straight down the middle. Just, here you go, Mike, can you hit it? And he couldn't. And then after a bunch of fastballs, the third ball to push the count full was a fastball that I think Otani probably tried to overthrow. It's 102 low outside. Um, and then the last pitch was just a nasty slider. And it was, you just see the reaction of the players. Shohei Otani was excited. And I don't know, a lot of people have been critical of the World Baseball Classic. But you talk to the players, and the, the players are excited about it. You had Mike Trout, Shohei Otani all saying how exciting it was. And Mike Trout hasn't played. You want to talk about meaningful baseball games? Mike Trout hasn't played a meaningful baseball game since 2014, if you want to go that far. Um, being able to see Shohei and Mike Trout in big spots was a lot of fun. Um, and you think they weren't taking it seriously? I mean, the first inning, Mike Trout bloops the ball over second base and is just busting it down the line, stretches it into a double. Um, Shohei Otani had one, too, where he legged out infield hit. I mean, those guys were playing to win. It was a lot of fun to watch. And just remember, baseball's fun. I talked about this last week. I'll hit it again. High school baseball's going. Youth leagues are starting up. College baseball's in full swing. The minors are about to get going. Major League Baseball starts next week. There is a ton of baseball out there. Um, find baseball. Find a team you love. Watch it. I just saw a report this afternoon. I haven't seen it fully confirmed, but it sounds like Major League Baseball is getting close to a deal with the uh, Bally's Sports Network to stream all minor league games for free with no blackouts. That's so great. I mean, you can go catch, look at the top prospect list, go find their team and go watch them play. If you're a fan of the Cubs or you're a fan of the Reds or whoever you're a fan of, you want to see that next generation. You know, last year I had a lot of fun watching Marquee Network would show a lot of um, Cubs minor league games. And so you could tune in after after a Cubs game and go see PCA. You could go see um, Kevin O'Contry. You could see Canario. You could see Caleb Killian pitch. Watch uh, watch Jordan Wicks, DJ Hers. You know, go find baseball. Baseball is so much fun. So the World Baseball Classic was great, and I can't wait. I already can't wait for the next one. I know it's it's not a perfect time. We talk about the injuries, but you know, I mean, injuries happen all the time. Reese Hoskins went down yesterday with a non-contact knee injury. I mean, it's, it's in spring training. Like it was the World Baseball Classic. And there were some Cubs that played some notable roles. I'll stick to the pitching on this one. I talked through some of the other 
players last week, but Rowenis Elias pitched nine innings for Cuba. Struggled a little bit. Gave up three homers and five uh, in the area of five. But he got to pitch in some big spots. That was good. He um, was a guy who was looking good in Cubs spring training before the World Baseball Classic, and he's a guy, he's a lefty, not on the 40-man roster, still fighting for a roster spot. So that experience was, I'm sure, great for him. Marcus Stroman threw nine innings. You know, th- three ERA, only walked one guy, struck out eight, had a sub-200 batting average against. All this is small sample size, so you know the numbers aren't that important. But um, you know, he looked good. And he looked like the Marcus Stroman we expect to see. And Javier Assad, I mean, he's maybe one of the guys who really stood out. Now, there were some Japanese players who all of a sudden now are getting um, major league interest on contracts um, based on what they did in the World Baseball Classic. But like Javier Assad, he may have won himself a job on the Cubs roster based on what he did in the WBC. Um, he came in relief twice, pitched five and two-thirds innings. Only gave up two hits, walked one, struck out six. And he had to go through some good hitters. I mean, he faced that um, Puerto Rican team, and he faced Team USA. Five and two-thirds innings, he gave up two hits. A single to Mike Trout and a single to Francisco Lindor. I mean, that's getting it done. So he was fun to watch. I was really hoping he would come come into that game against Japan um, in the semifinal, but he didn't. So... It's going to see, interesting to see where these guys, what these guys do. I know some of the stars are going to take a break. I heard Mike Trout is back in – he's just in L.A. He's not going to go back to the Cactus League. Um, they basically break camp Saturday, I think, and then they go back to L.A. and I think they, scrimmage, they play the Dodgers on Sunday. Um, Shohei Otani is going to pitch, I think, Friday, and that will be his last start to get him ready for opening day. So, you know – it's time to wind back into spring training. Some of the Cubs who have been away have been trickling back. Miles Mastroboni is back. Some of the other guys. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's 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 also going to be kind of weird to you know see that really exciting, high-intensity, high-energy baseball. And opening day is going to be exciting because it's opening day, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, two, it's, it's a Tuesday in April when you're playing the Pirates. And, you know, the, it gets amped down a little bit, but we have to remember it's a long 162. So there are a few injury updates this week as well. So Seiya Suzuki hit in the cage for the first time Wednesday, so he's cleared for batting practice, full swings. Um, there's still a progression after that. Just because you're hitting the cage doesn't mean you're ready for game action. He will hit in the cage. He'll have to progress to you know live hitting on the field and then get some game situations. He'll probably do some game simulation type stuff, and then he'll probably play either in some minor league games or uh, – possibly go to a, an affiliate once those seasons start the Cubs haven't set a timetable I think the most aggressive we could possibly see if all goes really well um, would be him returning in mid-April when they go on a west coast trip starting in LA on April 14th I think that makes a lot of sense I mean oblique injuries are notorious anyway for easy retweaking and you don't want to get him up in that cold weather doesn't really fully get loose whether he's making a play in right field in Wrigley or he's swinging the bat tweak that thing and just not be right for the next you know next few weeks the Cubs have said they're going to take it slow and be conservative um, if he does progress well if he does get you know a good week in the cage good week of you know live on field BP and some game action you know we could be talking three four weeks that would start hit, have him start the season probably on the 10 day DL um, starting in LA could make sense because it's west coast it's going to be it's going to be a lot warmer in LA probably than it will be in Chicago 
Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, all those places that the Cubs may play in. That would get them a, a West Coast start. There's a three-game series against the Dodgers, and then the Cubs play LA or play Oakland before coming back to Chicago against LA, which is also weird. I, Major League scheduling drives me nuts. The Cubs are basically going to be done with LA in the span of about 10 days and in April. Now, maybe that's good for the Cubs because LA is missing some guys um, and still trying to figure out like what they're going to do to fill Gavin Lux's hole. Um, their great pitching, which is usually building up and building up and is will be great by the end of the season, you know, may not be quite ready um, to start the season. But still, I mean, I'd rather kind of space these things out and not just see a team two times in a week and be done. Um, so no real timetable for say, I think mid-April is probably the most aggressive we would see. Could be late April, early May. Um, hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks so far. You know, knock on wood, it's been great. He's been progressing without setbacks. Um, that's good. Um, one kind of surprising one is Brandon Hughes. Um, he's somebody who you know I talked about last week as a lock for the bullpen, and that's pretty much where everybody had him. But he's got some left knee impl- inflammation. And according to Sahad of Sharma of The Athletic, he's been working through it for most of camp, and he hasn't looked great. And so that plays into probably why he hasn't looked great. Um, he hasn't pitched since March 16th. The Cubs are hoping to get him, get him into a game this weekend, um, but he may wind up starting the season on the injured list, which would then open up another one of the bullpen spots. If you listen to last week's episode, I talked through my predictions and, and who I thought was in play for those last couple bullpen spots. Well, this would open up another one. Um, update on Kyle Hendricks. The Cubs say he's basically about a month behind most of the pitchers. So, you know, as opposed to starting on opening day, he's probably looking if, if he continues to progress and not have any setbacks, um, he might be ready to go late April, early May. I'm sure that would probably involve a, um, some minor league rehab. So probably, you know, early mid-May is probably best case for him. Um, again, just like Seiya, I, I don't think they're going to rush anything. I think the Cubs have some good arm depth and some guys they want to see early in the season. So I think... You'd rather have a good Kyle Hendricks than just rush Hendricks back and have him be less than his best. Um, so next we'll move to Keegan Thompson. So there's no real injury report on him. Um, his velocity has been down in the spring. He's throwing low 90s for the most part. Has not looked particularly good. Um, last year, when especially when he was good out of the bullpen, he was electric. He was able to go. When, when he's only pitching two or three innings, he's able to just go hard, go full force. And he's throwing a lot of fastballs. He's living a lot of 95, 96 popping up to 97 on occasion. Um, I saw an interesting stat from Greg Zumak at Ivy Futures on Twitter. Um, he tweeted this week about how much Keegan's velocity really does matter. I mean, Vila always matters, but it really matters for Keegan. And Zumak pointed out that when last year when his fastball was less than 94 miles an hour, hitters posted a 398 weighted on base average, WOBA, and had just a 12.7% K rate. But when his fastball was 94 plus, hitters had a 286 Woba and struck out 28.2% of the time. I mean, that's a that's a clear difference. When his fastball is up and he can work off that fastball, he's really tough. And when he's not, he's pretty hittable, um, which is not that surprising. I mean, just like we talked about with Kyle Hendricks, even though he never had big velocity, you know, he had a good enough changeup, good enough location, good enough command that he could kind of you're seeing changeup after changeup. You're seeing nibbling around, and then all of a sudden he'll throw that 88, 89 mile an hour fastball, and guys are late on it. Well, 
you know, if now his 88 is throwing more like 85, 86, he's just lost margin for error. So um, that's where Keegan is. So the Cubs are working through to try to figure out what the issue is. I have not heard reports of an injury. I don't know if this is one of those sort of dead arm things where he just kind of work through it. But I would guess at this point, with his velocity down, if that doesn't tick back up, it, now it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't start the season in Chicago. He could start on the injured list. He could start in Iowa. But I think they're going to want to get that velocity figured out before he comes up in, on the major league roster. Um, and then today, Nico Horner was scratched with left bicep tendon or tightness. Um, he did go through workouts this morning. Um, according to Jordan Bastion, the Cubs are just being just being uh, cautious with that. So hopefully that's really nothing to report on. But we'll see what develops. I saw that right before I started to record. So let's talk about some roster cuts. Today was a big cutdown day. Um, heading into today, the Cubs still had 51 guys in Major League camp for, you know, it's going to be a 26-man roster. So that's still a lot of cutdowns coming. Um and today cleared out some of the candidates. A lot of the moves so far have been batches of guys you know we knew wouldn't stick. Um, today was a little bit different. Today, Matt Mervis is officially assigned to minor league camp, so he'll start the season in Iowa. Uh, Man- Manny Rodriguez and Cam Sanders, you know, would have been candidates for bullpen jobs. They're going to start the season in Iowa. Um, and then. I don't know about surprisingly. I, I think there was a thought all along that Nelson Velasquez probably should start in Iowa. I don't think he really probably should have been in, in Chicago as much as he was last year. I think he would have been better served getting minor league at bats. But the Cubs were shorthanded, had a lot of injuries, so he, he got the call all year. So he was optioned to the minors. And then maybe not really surprised, kind of a surprise given the spring he's had. Um, David Bodie was assigned to minor league camp today. Bodie's had a great spring. I mean, he's... he's you know, he's got a Babbitt before 50. He's not striking out a ton. He's showing good play discipline. He's making hard contact. Um, he was pushing hard for, for a spot. But the, the trick is, we'll get into this in a minute, um, he's not on the 40-man. So for him to make the, the roster, somebody else has to go, and there are already some other tough decisions to be made. So when we look at the position players, especially after these cuts, the Cubs do still seem to have four open positions left. I walked through this last week, and I walked through why I thought it would be Mike Talkman making the roster to play some right field until Say is back. Um, Nick Madrigal, Edwin Rios, and Zach McKinstry were the ones I, I thought would make it, even though I was also pretty clear that I didn't think Zach McKinstry deserved it. Um, so there's still those four positions left with Bodie now out of the mix. You're looking at Talkman, Madrigal, Rios, McKinstry, Miles Mastroboni, and Christopher Morrell, probably the guys fighting for those last four. Um, Christopher Morrell has been up and down this spring. He's hit the ball hard. He's he's done what he did last year. He's hit the ball hard at times, and he struck out way too much. So it would not surprise me still if we see Morrell go down, um, start the season in Iowa, get some bats, get that confidence back up, work on that K rate. Um, the trick is Mike Talkman needs a roster spot. He's not on the 40. So if he's going to come up and play some outfield, um, and the with Velasquez now being optioned down, I think that makes it more likely that Talkman makes the roster. Um, so someone from the 40-man has to go. I would make the case that it should be Zach McKinstry. I mean, the Cubs traded for him last year, sent Chris Martin to the Dodgers, got McKinstry back. It seemed like a, it, it was a good, it was a solid trade. I'm not going to say it worked out well, but it was a good idea on paper. McKinstry was a guy we talked about last week. He hit all through the Dodgers system, never really got a 
great extended shot to play in LA and he struggled at the major league level. Um, not surprising. Guys do that all the time. And you never quite know if a guy's a 4A player or if he's, you know, just not getting a shot. And on that Dodgers team, when you're behind Trey Turner and Justin Turner and Gavin Lux and all those guys, you know, it, it's hard to break through. So the Cubs took a shot and the Cubs gave him a lot of run. He's a utility player. He can play infield, outfield, shortstop, third base, second base. Um, bats lefty, which is a huge plus. The Cubs have been short on lefties for a while, which is why one of the reasons why I think Edwin Rios is going to make it, playing third base, uh, lefty with power. But McKinstry has struggled. He didn't really hit at all at the end of last year, and he got a lot of playing time in the last couple months. And then, you know, I always caution people to don't put too much stock into um, – Spring training, it's a small sample size. It's something to look at for sure, and it does give you some idea what's going on. But, I mean, Zach McKinstry's been terrible. He's 2 for 31. It's an 065 batting average. Slash line is 065, 216, 065. He's got an OPS of 281. I mean, it's just it's just not even close. Um, so I, I'm a little surprised he's still there. I'm hoping the Cubs are just giving him every last shot to get himself going in spring training. But, it, I mean, we're pretty much at the end of it, and he just isn't hitting at all. And his defense, I don't think he's bad defensively, but I don't think he's special defensively either. I think Miles Mastroboni is a better version right now of Zach McKinstry, although Mastroboni doesn't bat lefty. Um, so hopefully if Talkman does make the roster, I, I kind of hope McKinstry is the one to go. Um but we'll see. Similar issues on the pitching side. I think everyone thought Keegan and Hughes were locks. Uh, I talked about that last week, but now you know with Hughes having the knee inflammation and Keegan with the lost velocity, we don't really know what's going on. If they can't go now, the eight-man bullpen that seemed to have about four, uh, you know, two or three open slots now maybe has four or five. I think when you look at the rotation, I think the rotation is pretty much set. You got Marcus Stroman; he's going to start opening day. Justin Steele. Jamison Tyone, Drew Smiley, and Hayden Wisniewski, I think, are going to be the five. Um, Javier Assad is pushing hard for the five. And uh, we talked last week about how Adrian Sampson's kind of pitching his way out. I think he'll start the season in Iowa. When you look at the bullpen, you know, last week we talked about Thompson Hughes, Edward Azalai, Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger, Julian Merriweather as pretty much locks in the pen. And I think... That's still solid, but then if, if Thompson and Hughes can't go, now you've got four locks and four positions to fill. And I think the people in the mix for those spots are Javier Assad, Rowan Wick, Michael Rucker, Ryan Barucki, Tyler Duffy, Rowan S. Elias, Mark Leiter Jr., and Anthony Kay. I had Manny Rodriguez and Cam Sanders in the list last week, but now they've been assigned to minor league camp, so we know they're no longer really in play, at least for opening day. I do think we'll see... I certainly think we'll see Cam Sanders this year for sure. Um, one thing to watch for, though, is one of the big questions is Javier Assad. Like he, he, he deserves to be in Chicago. I'll, I'll say that flat out. The way he pitched at the end of last season, the way he pitched in camp before the World Baseball Classic, and the way he pitched in the World Baseball Classic, he is good enough to be on the Major League roster. The question for the Cubs is what role do they want him to play? If Keegan Thompson gets right before the season, starts in that bullpen and takes that, you know, multiple inning piggyback kind of role along with Edward Alzelay, 
then I don't know what role you have for Assad. I mean, he, he can be, he, we saw him in the World Baseball Classic. He, he can come out of the pen and throw an inning and be effective. But is that the best value or is the best value to keep him in the minors and keep him stretched out as a starter and have him be the next guy up if somebody gets hurt um, or somebody's struggling? I was leaning last week. I talked about this. I would prefer Assad go to the minors to stay stretched out. Again, not because he doesn't deserve to be in Chicago, because he does. But now if Keegan Thompson isn't right, now all of a sudden I, I really like Assad for that multiple inning relief role. Um, so he may be somebody who winds up sticking in Chicago. Even if you have questions about Thompson, that's probably all the more reason to have Assad up in that bullpen. Um, I think Mark Leiter at this point, he's continued to pitch well. I think he's probably just about a lock. He's thrown five innings, so again, small sample size, but he's walked one, struck out seven, given up one run. Um, and then if Hughes is out, I think we we're already talking about needing probably another lefty. Now, Mark Leiter Jr. does pitch to a reverse split, or at least he did last year. So you might be able to get away a lefty short in the bullpen and kind of use him in that in that way. But if Hughes is out, they literally have no lefties in that bullpen. So I think that means if he, if he starts the season on the injured list, I think it's just about a lock then that you would get either Ryan Barucki, Rowanis Elias, or Anthony Kay to start the season in Chicago. Um, big question, though, is that those three lefties and Mark Leiter Jr. are not on the 40-man. So that means the moves would have to be made to get those guys on the 40-man. Now, maybe if Hendricks is a month, a month plus, maybe you give him some extra time and start him on the 60-day IL. That would free up one spot. But again, I think we're also still talking about uh, Mike Talkman too. So if we're adding Talkman, Leiter, and a lefty, that's three roster spots that have to be cleared. And I think, in my opinion, I think Zach McKinstry is one of those. I think you could uh, DFA McKinstry and, and bring in Talkman. Um, I think Michael Rucker has to be very seriously close to being on the outside looking in. Um, as much as I like Rowan Wick, and at times he is absolutely nasty, he really hasn't been consistently good in a while, and he's kind of struggled in the spring too. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what that means. You know, Wick this spring has thrown six and two-thirds innings, walked five, struck out seven. That's not a great ratio there. He's given up, you know, four hits, you know, seven runs. He's had a little bit of tough luck defensively. I mean, given up seven runs, only three of them been earned. And again, small sample size, but – this is, again, more of what we saw last year. If he's not commanding the zone, if he's walking guys, he gets himself into big trouble. And I think he's probably sitting on the bubble at this point. Um, one of the things that is interesting to me, so the Cubs did cut down 10 guys today, so now they're down to 41 players in Major League camp. And so they got to move you know, 15 more guys in some way, shape, or form. Um, well, I guess if you factor IL guys, probably have to move about. 12 or 13, depending on who goes on the IL. <clears throat> um, that's pretty high at this point. You know, we're, we're a week out and I don't, I don't really know how seriously some of those 12 are for roster spots, but it does make me wonder if the Cubs are working on some trades. I mean, between McKinstry and Mastroboni and Madrigal, you kind of have three guys that do some of the same things. Um, in the bullpen, you got a bunch of arms, you know, Wick and Rucker aren't, Okay, but like, are they worth, you know, Mark Leiter Jr. has an opt-out, basically. If the Cubs don't put him on the opening day roster, he can opt for free agency and shop himself around, and I'm, I'm sure he will. He's been pitching well, and he was 
really good out of the pen once he settled into that role last at the end of last year. Um, so, you know, are, is someone like Michael Rucker worth losing Mark Leiter Jr. or not bringing in one of those lefties um, like Baruki or Elias or Kay? Um, you know, now Baruki, Elias, and Kay could just be assigned to minor league camp, so it's not like the Cubs are losing them. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna want some lefties in there, so they're gonna have to make some moves. And trading could be a good way to do it. I mean, you're not gonna get none of the guys the Cubs are gonna trade unless they work out some blockbuster. Are gonna get a ton of value back, but you can get a you know low level pitching prospect. You can get even just excuse me cash considerations. Um, might be better than just taking a guy and letting him walk and get nothing. But really at this point, the roster spot, the 40 man roster spot is probably more important to the Cubs than some of those specific players are. But so we'll find out a lot in the next few days. Um, what the Cubs opening day roster looks like. I'm really looking forward to opening day. I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm going to be there for the Stro show. It's going to be fantastic. Um, but I want to see that what that opening day roster looks like. Um, what the new lineup looks like. Obviously, a bunch of new faces this year, and and again, we we take spring training with a grain of salt. But like, walk through. Let's walk through the new hitters. I mean, the Cubs came into this off season with a huge amount of question marks, and the Cubs went out, and I think they did a good job this off season. They didn't bring in mega superstars, and they you know there are still some questions, but the Cubs addressed every hole to some degree, and I think that was important, and I think we're going to see some results. Um. But I think the lineup construction is still a concern. I mean, the Cubs, I think, are going to have good pitching. I think they're going to continue to pitch to contact. I think they're going to, there's going to be now going to be a much better defense behind them. Again, we, we've beat it into the ground. But the Cubs were dead last in defense at center field last year. And while the Cubs were good at shortstop because Nico Horner played well over there, they were really deficient at second base. The, that was probably their second worst position behind center field. And then because Seiya Suzuki was new, he was injured a bunch, and there was not good support in center field. Right field was kind of a defensive hole. Um, third base was a regression. You know, Patrick Wisdom played really good defense in 2021, and then that really regressed in 2022. So we'll see what we have there, but I think now having Swanson at short, Horner at second, Bellinger in center field, I mean, that's an excellent up-the-middle defense. Arguably, I, I could make a case that's the best up-the-middle defense in baseball. So when you have a pitch-to-contact pitching staff, that's really important. And the big thing for the pitching staff is – you know, because they're pitched to contact, they're going to give up some hits, going to give up some long balls, can't be putting extra guys on base. And I think what we've seen this spring is really encouraging. And again, I'm going to throw out the small sample size warning, but like Jamison Tyone, he's got an 090 whip. He's thrown 13 in the third innings, has not walked a guy to 18 Ks. That's his game. He doesn't walk guys. Um, strikeouts are a little higher this, this spring than he typically is, which could be a factor of the batters he's facing. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that, but the no walks is real. That that's who he is. If that's how he's throwing and he's working, you know, some of those new that new slider and getting some additional swing and mess, like he's a guy to really watch early in the season. I mean, he really could break out and have a good year. We talked about Marcus Stroman already. I mean, in the World Baseball Classic, he only walked one guy, struck out eight. Um, Drew Smiley has had his struggles. He's gotten hit some. But when you look at it, he's thrown 12 in the third innings. He's given up one walk in 10 Ks. And Michael Fulmer out of the bullpen, I mean, he's only walked two in eight innings. Uh, one guy who has struggled is Brad Boxberger. He's walked five in six innings. But he's gotten around it. He hasn't given up any runs. So 
I think there's a lot to be excited about with the new guys here. But on offense, so if that pitching staff is going to keep games relatively low scoring, it's going to be up to the offense to score to um, obviously to win games. You, you can win games one nothing, but you can't win games with zero runs. And Swanson's had a rough, rough, a rough spring. That's hard to say, apparently. He's um, got a slash line of 065, 237, 097. He's basically Zach McKinstry, except one of his hits was a double. Um, not much power. But he's also a guy who notoriously starts slow. He has a career 79 WRC plus in April. Um, he's also adjusting to new teammates. And you see it all the time. We see it over and over again with guys across the league. But you get that big contract. You come in. You want to be successful. You want to impress people. You probably press a little hard early in the season. So don't expect Swanson to hit a ton in April. But as long as he's playing good defense, I think his bat will come around when the weather warms up. Um, Bellinger kind of looks – he looks like a better version of Bellinger than we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, I would not set expectations on MVP-level Bellinger. Um, so far in spring training, he's got you know 200 BABIP, so that could be an indication he's not hitting the ball that hard. He's not striking out a ton. Um you know, he's on 13% K rate. It's not bad. Um, he's got an 842 OPS. He's getting some power. He's hit a couple home runs. Um, he's looked better at the plate. So we'll just see how that continues to progress and develop. Um, Mancini's looked really good. He looked for power in the lineup. I think Mancini's going to be one of those guys. Um, he's put up a 943 OPS, 570, 571 BABIP, uh, batting average on balls in play. That's incredible. That tells me he is hitting the ball hard consistently. Um, high, K rate is high. You know, the 38% um, could be due to a number of factors. Also, small sample size. You know, we're talking 14 games, basically. Um, so we're, you know, two weeks. You know, anybody at some point can have two weeks of anything, of terrible slump, of red-hot bat, whatever. So small sample size. Eric Hosmer has been a little underwhelming, 581 OPS, kind of nothing special. Not horrendous, not great. Um, I would expect he's a guy, I do think he's a lock for the roster at this point, but I hope he's a guy that they keep a relatively short leash on. I mean, if he's out there, he's made some good defensive plays. So if, if he's out there playing good defense at first base and giving you just enough on offense, maybe maybe that's okay. If he struggles, if he's not hitting, it's kind of not worth having around. And at that point, the Cubs only have him for the league minimum. So, you know, it's a pretty painless drop if it comes to that, especially if Matt Mervis goes down to Iowa and just goes back to mashing the ball and um, hitting for tons of power. He, he may force Jed's hand later this year. Um, Edwin Rios coming in. He's been really good lately. He got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, but he's kind of been boomer bust. He's got four home runs, leads the team, striking out a little bit too much. Um, surprisingly, for a guy with – that many home runs. He's only got a 167 BABIP. Um, again, very small sample size, though, so it's hard to read too much into that. Um, but I think he's a guy, given the fact that he hits lefty, Cubs brought him in on a major league contract, albeit a cheap one. Um, he plays third base, bats lefty. I think with that power, I think he's, he's going to be on the opening day roster. Would not surprise me at all if Rios and Wisdom platoon at third base. Um, Tucker Barnhart is kind of doing Tucker Barnhart things. I mean, he's I've seen a lot of good things about his work with the pitching staff throughout the spring. I think he's focused most of his time and effort on getting another pitching staff. Um, he's not hitting a 105 batting average on balls in play. 
Um, but that's kind of who Tucker Barnhart is. He's going to come in, be a defensive catcher, manage a game, not hit a ton. So I look for the Cubs probably to maybe look to Jan Gomes as the slightly more played option at catcher. But they're going to split time, and they're really there to be defensive. So it's going to be interesting. But a week to go, still a ton of action. Watch for those moves. See who the Cubs carry to the opening day roster. See who they assign to the minors. See who they maybe DFA. Um, I'm hoping to get one more podcast in before opening day, but uh, my family's also moving, so my office is a bit of a mess. So that's why this week on YouTube, you'll get the podcast, but you're going to get an audiogram instead of live video. It's just not quite conducive to filming here. But uh, thanks for sticking with me, and it's been a great 30 episodes, and I look forward to 30 more. Thank you for listening today. If you liked what you heard, or maybe especially if you didn't, please drop a rating and a review wherever it is you get your podcasts, or tell a friend about the show. Just a few seconds from you gives me great feedback and helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at CubsPSPlus. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!